Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business, generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Traffic Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the co-founder of Divizio, the all-new affiliate network for people in all niches at Divizio, D-U-V-I-S-I-O.com. We've got my co-host and partner in Divizio, Jack Humphrey, joining us. Hello, Jack. Hello, and we also have Sue Painter with us today. So I'm going to do a little quick introduction, and we're going to get started with Sue. Sue, you're here, right? Uh, yes, I'm here. Excellent. Hi, Sue. I always like to check. Hi. <laughs> All right. Well, Sue Painter has been coaching small business owners for over a decade and is known internationally for her work. The author of three books about entrepreneurship, Sue's deep wisdom and experience make her one of the, the online world's best-known and loved mentors. She started and built two successful businesses, one brick and mortar and one online. And you can find Sue at confidentmarketer.com. That's confidentmarketer.com. Sue, welcome. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Not a problem. We love interesting people. So, <laughs> so uh, I just like to start every show out with what are you really fired up about now and what got you out of bed excited to greet the day this morning? Oh, my goodness. I'm always fired up and excited first thing in the morning. I think I'm more productive in the morning than any other time of day. What's got me um, going right now is that I'm putting together a new group coaching program that I'll be uh, launching in early 2016. And it really is going to make a merge between what do we need to do to be able to have the tools we need that are always evolving to run our online businesses successfully? And then what do we need within ourselves so that no matter what happens to us, we stay calm and stay focused and don't buy into the drama that often happens with uh, working your own business. So that's what I'm excited about right now. Awesome. Can you give us a little idea of the type of mentorship that you provide in uh, in this, this or any current programs that you have? What do you like to work with people on? You know, I always say to the clients I work with, I know that we have to grow ourselves in order to grow our business. So I end up uh, working with people who know that they kind of need to turn their ship and take their their business in a different direction. Maybe they need to shift their market just a little bit. Maybe they need a lot more clarity and focus. They've got the basic bones of their business in place, but they're not making the money that they really thought they would be making, or maybe it's tying them up too much of their time and they know that they need to be better at uh, either execution or maybe delegation or team building. So I like to work with people who are at that intersection where growth, they're starting to have growth and the growth is starting to be painful because they're not handling it well. Yes, well, that's a problem for so many. <laughs> I don't no, think absolutely. I've ever met anybody who's escaped that. You know, when they're starting yeah. out, it's something everybody has to deal with. Yeah. As they're going along, something might really big happen bigger than the first goal that they had for their business, and they, they take advantage of it, but they're not prepared systemized, systems-wise or whatever that might be. Yeah. So, yeah. So what's a good example of something where you've had somebody come to you with a – pick one of your most typical problems that people have and how you help them through that, uh, what kinds of uh, things you had them do, and how did that turn out for them? Oh, gosh, let's see. Just to pop a case study, an impromptu case study on you Yeah, <laughs> I was just trying to think of who would be interesting for you guys to talk to, for me to talk about. Um, I'll tell you, I had, um, back in time, I had a woman who uh, ran a very small but very personalized dental practice. She was a dentist, and she really specialized in uh Cosmo, you know, the cosmetology end of business, like teeth whitening and straightening and that kind of thing. She was very mm-hmm. good at what she did. And before she knew it, her services had been booked out almost a year in advance. Well, if you know anything about service-based businesses, you know that most customers, most patients, are not going to wait that long to see somebody. 
So especially if it's something they want done cosmetically. So she really, she had focused so much on the expertise of what she, uh, you know, what she did, her craft, that she had really completely failed to pay attention to the business end of her business. So she lacked team building. She was a perfectionist, as many fellow professionals are, so she lacked the ability to delegate. And she didn't have systems in place. So we had to work for about 18 months together, and it was really painful for her to grow herself to the point internally in her own mindset where she was comfortable knowing that someone else was going to take a piece of the back end of her business and work it in a way that was completely good but not her idea of perfect. And also that she had to learn to hand off and trust other people to run the systems and do the booking and and eventually she actually hired another dentist and trained them in some of the special stuff that she was doing so that their book wasn't booked up a year out. So that's a a killer for a service-based business. So that's an example Mm -hmm. of someone that I've worked with in the past. And it was really not that she didn't have the intelligence to do it. She didn't have the tools to do it. They didn't teach her that in dental school. Right. They don't teach uh, law students anything about business either, yet they're expected to go out and, you know, if they start their own practice, they've got to learn business, and they just went through all of law school. <laughs> yeah, I know that exactly. from personal experience. It's crazy. Yeah, isn't it? and the yeah. the mistake that I see people like that making often is that they know they're struggling, and they think they need to go get more credential in what they're already good at. So they think, mm-hmm. well, I need to go learn another technique or another skill, when actually they don't need more credentialing. What they need is more experience in management and leadership and delegation. They need to know how to execute the back end of their business just like they have executed the front end of their business. Right. Well, give us a – so that this isn't a story of, of a, a total cautionary tale. How did she feel after this process, after the pain part, once you had her on this new on the new system, the new business model and everything, how did she feel after that? She felt great, actually. It took her a while, I will say. She really struggled with the letting go part because, you know, if you grow a business, you do have to learn to let go, right? And so she struggled with that. But after about 18 months, when she saw that all of a sudden the money was coming in the door at, you know, twice the rate that it used to come in the door and she had, you know, she her visibility in the community rose and also that she wasn't changed because she was doing 80-hour weeks trying to handle everything. So when you start mm-hmm. to see the chains loosening and you start to see the money increasing, that's when the pain eases up. Then people get this big aha, yeah. like, oh, this is how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Hey, Sue, I this like is that you Jan. chose that example. Oh, go ahead, Jan. Okay. Hey, Sue, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, sure. I've been really excited. You know, one thing that I've noticed is that most people that go into business, they're good technicians, which is what we're kind of talking about. Yeah. And the first person they want to replicate is themselves. It's like, I need another me. Mm-hmm. And they don't think about getting a secretary or an accountant or just an office helper or some of the other skills that they're not good at. And the funny thing is, and and I kind of struggle with the outsourcing, you know, and and letting go of, you know, what needs to be done. And Mm -hmm. and ironically, I'll do that with stuff I'm not even good at to begin with. (laughs) I think we Uh, all do that. I I go into that trap myself. Um, You know, now marketing is so much visual content, and I teach my clients uh, to really use visual content in their marketing. But if you're going to do visual content marketing, then you really do need a lot of graphic material. And, you know, it's expensive to get that graphic material done, and you've got to find the tools that will help your team members do that. But I was out there looking for all the different ways that we could produce all this visual content and, you know, learn Canva and learn PicMonkey and all that stuff. And then I realized one day, you know, I'm not about sitting here developing a visual content to go with every one of my blog posts and every one of my uh, YouTube channel videos and every one of my periscopes and blabs. I've got to hand this off to somebody else. I think sometimes when we do find those tools, it can be kind of addictive 
especially if we already have the mindset that we're supposed to do it all. So I agree with mm-hmm. you. It is it is about learning. Um, you need to know enough about the tool so that you understand how can you use it most effectively for your business. You don't need to be an absolute, you know, just dumb person about it. You need to know what, say, for instance, Canva is. But you don't need to have be up to your elbows in it either. So there's that balance. Yeah. And I think sometimes we all struggle with that balance. And also I think what happens is that you become a manager more than yes. a technician. A lot of people aren't comfortable with this. So how do you help people navigate that particular uh, goal? And that is to stay in the part that they love but still yeah. have a healthier business. That can be a real challenge for people, and I see that it goes in one of two different directions. The first is a person who needs to start seeing themselves as a business owner, not as an expert in some particular field. They need to step up to leading their business and seeing themselves as the owner and the leader of their team. I would say seven, in my experience anyway, three out of four people can do that. And when they do that successfully, they get to back off. Their team is running smoothly. It's up to them to watch it and keep it running smoothly. But for the most part, they can go back to what they really love and what they're good at. I think there's another type of person who absolutely refuses or cannot intrinsically learn to see themselves as the leader of their business and as a business owner. They want to identify themselves as an artist uh, or as, you know, a body worker or as a light worker or as a cosmetic dentist or what have you, and they just refuse. Uh, Their ego really won't let them identify themselves as as a business owner first and uh, a technician second. They just refuse to step up to it, and I think sometimes they just don't have the skills they can't. In that case, if that business really wants to run, they're going to have to hire someone who is their COO, and they're going to have to hand off all of that other stuff to them and just totally live over on the creative side. And to me, in my experience, that's about one in four people. Yeah. Makes sense. Can I be your client for five minutes? (laughs) <laughs> sure. I want to be your client for five minutes and, and we're working on lots and lots and lots of stuff of course I'm sure you work with tons of things with you know but this would be the one thing I think a lot of people might be able to identify with who are listening today so I like Canva or I, I actually like Photoshop um, but I like mm-hmm. them both and I use them both in different ways and um, I'm not supposed to be doing graphics at all I should not be doing graphics at all but he I, sneaks I do off like it from a <laughs> yeah I, I have to sneak if people find out I'm doing graphics they're going to get mad but <laughs> uh but I love it you know and so I'm your client and and here's my thing and here's what I would tell you I would say that okay I know I got to get somebody else but as soon as I get somebody else I got to spend the time I, and and I'm going to tell you I need a graphic right now so you're probably going to tell me, well, go get your daggone graphic done right now. Maybe. I don't know. But I always just need a graphic right now. I don't need one until I need one. And when I need one, it is right now, always. And so so I know that uh, people like you have tried to help me over the years and say, you need somebody to hand this stuff off to. And then what I say is, yes, but I need the graphic right now. And, okay, I'll do this one now. But if I start tomorrow to hire somebody to get some, they're not going to do it like me. They're not going to do the little nuances, the flourishes, the the extra creativity time until I, I've worked with them so long that they know what I mean in shorthand. I need a graphic that looks like this, does this, and then they have learned over time how to how I would do it. And and I would say then I could have had the graphic done by then if I have to keep going back and forth. And plus, I have to wait. I can do a graphic right now to the detriment of the rest of my business. I can do that graphic, get it done, and it's it's all and this is just one big example, one example of many where I think people talk themselves out of getting help and starting that process, what you called the bigger process that you helped the the client earlier with uh, a, a painful process sometimes because separating myself from things like that, 
I shouldn't be there, but I love to be there sometimes. A lot of times it's really stressful, and I'm like, man, I should have somebody doing this, or I will go kick it off to somebody who does do those things in uh, one of my businesses. But what, how do you get people through that? Because there's always a short-term justification for what they're doing, at least in their minds. And I'm sure they kick that back to you all the time like that. Well, I'm, I can do this, or they can't I'm, do it I'm like biting, me, or it's going to take I'm too long. I'm biting my finger in half to keep from laughing because I see this. <laughs> I, have, I have heard this. In every single solitary client I've ever worked with, you know, it's wah, 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 nobody can do it better than me, and wah, 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 yeah. I'm furry. I hear all that whining. So here's the deal. There's yeah. a bunch of different, are you ready? <laughs> are you ready? Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. So, no, number one, if you find yourself in the position often of, I need this graphic and I need it right now, you are not planning your content ahead of time well enough. And that mm-hmm. is actually something that I struggle with, too, because I get a good idea and I get all excited about it and I want to run with it. So you need a better content calendar and you need to have a team member who knows what's going to be coming up for content so that you're not constantly in the in the, in the the bucket of, oh, I need a graphic and I need it right now. Now, will sometimes that occur? Yes, but it requires a great deal of intellectual honesty to know when it really, really is a crisis and when it is just poor planning on your part because you haven't gotten your Mm -hmm. content. You know, so that's number one. Number two, this whole thing about it takes longer to train somebody than it does for me to just do it myself, maybe the first time and maybe the second time. But if you hire correctly, you will find someone who will get your vibe and who will be able to do it. And part of it is, that's a perfectionistic tendency. You really don't have to have it exactly the way that you would do it. So every single tiny little nuance that you catch, probably your viewer of the graphic is not catching. It really doesn't have to be solely from, you know, totally 100% the way you would do it. It needs to be a working like job that gets the job done, but it doesn't have to be perfection. So content, uh, so planning content ahead of time and letting go of perfectionism, those are really the two bugaboos for you in that, in that situation. Sorry. All right. Don't anybody ever say I didn't fall on my own sword to, for traffic masters to uh, make a point because yeah. I know we all do that and we all have tendencies for that, toward that, but somebody had to do it and say, look, I'm, I'm this person. Here I am. I know what you're probably going to say. You've said it better than I ever could, but I was going to just let that out there because I know every single person listening to this now or in the recording has some kind of a problem with this. We all do. It's your business. It's your baby. It's your thing. You're going to be somewhat in the realm of what we just talked about, and the advice yeah. is stellar for, for combating that in yourself. Well, thank you, and I will give you a little tip that uh, this is something that I do because I have team members spread out all over the place, and um, the whole thing about graphics and the look and the feel and the color and, you know, this and that. So, first of all, you can definitely you can set up templates for color and font and, you know, logos, all the specific elements that you want to have in each and every graphic and give people a, a planning tool, a little checklist of everything that should be on there. But secondly, what I did when I hired my graphics person is I just got on um Jing and I got onto Canva and I developed about three or four different graphics and recorded how from soup to nuts how I did it and why I was putting this color there or this logo here or why I always wanted the branding at the bottom or why I used a PNG instead of a JPEG or why I always wanted the font to be X. And I just talked about it as I developed it and then gave her those videos along with the the four graphics that I had developed. And, you know, she was great to catch on and and was like, oh, I see why you're doing this. And so, you know, for the first month I kind of looked at them and I would correct a thing or two, but now she gets it. But I went ahead and actually it was productive for me because I got those four developed. It was just that it was like she was looking over my shoulder. And that taught her some of those like little tiny things that are important to you, but to be honest, are probably not important to the people who are looking at your graphic. Yeah. Remember the outcome. Remember why you're doing it in yeah. the first place. Are people yeah. going to be satisfied? And 
are you trying to satisfy yourself in your perfect world, or are you trying to actually get something done in the world that people really appreciate, really do love? You have to really be honest with yourself. Yeah. Whether or not it's it's you talking or the business you talking that needs to be more responsible with your own time and your decisions, and it's hard. I mean, it really is. From my perspective, it's always been something that I've had to be very mindful of and not to let myself get too carried away uh, yeah. and out of and balance. I, you know, because business it's, suffers I'm glad that to way. Hear, I'm glad to hear you say that because it is true. I mean, I tell clients this, and when I speak, I, t- I say to people all the time, all of business is an experiment. There's no, you know, there's no perfect plan in business. Whenever you do anything, whether we're doing this radio show or something else, everything is an experiment. You don't know how it's going to go. You don't know whether it's going to be a superstar or it's going to do moderately well or it's going to be a total flop. We have to be intellectually honest with ourselves, and we have to kind of bring ourselves up short sometimes about what we're doing and whether it's really in the best interest of our business long term or whether it's in it's just helping soothe our own emotion or our own little little you know twerk that we have so it really does require looking at yourself and that's why i say you have to grow yourself to grow your business if you want to embark on a a path of personal development start your own business because it will push every button you have you were right you started this whole thing out uh talking about uh developing yourself and then we ended inadvertently to me i didn't know it was happening uh, we started talking about that very thing and uh, mm-hmm. proving your point very well that that's, that is really a lot. I mean, when we work with people at Directions University, we um, we just had a conversation with somebody just before this call about this. It, we tell everybody, you know, if it's for the traffic and lead generation workshop, we tell them all about traffic and lead generation, but we say it starts with mindset. And then yes. the very first modules inside of all of our workshops are mindset. And that's what people need. That's not what people want. People don't think they need that at all. They just they're like, tell me how to get more traffic and leads. That's all I want to know. But yeah. we we've learned over the years that it's extremely important. You're not going to get anything out of what we have to teach about traffic and lead generation unless your mind is right. Because if yep. you're thinking that this is going to be this or you're thinking it's going to be that, we got to get you set. So then you can take full advantage. If you're set, we guarantee you're going to get traffic and leads. If you're not set, we can't guarantee it. And then if you come back and say, this product is terrible, I didn't get anything out of it, that would be a disservice to you and to us that we didn't make it clear that you can't, just not anybody can take this with any kind of mindset. You have to be thinking along these lines, one, two, three, step one, step two. And if mm-hmm. you're thinking like that, then go apply this and you will be successful. So we had to do it to save ourselves, but we also had to do it to save our clients who were not coming prepared uh, in their mindset to uh, to deal with what we were teaching them and to actually have it be successful when they implemented it. Yeah, I think you're very smart to to do that, and I think that is 100% correct. <clears throat> Usually, I mean, I get that thing too. Um, I, in fact, one of my books that I wrote on Amazon is how to help more, how to get more clients and help more people: A Guide to Transformational Selling. And it, I did that book because I had so many people who were selling transformational work. You know, they they wanted to be mentors for women who had been through divorce or they wanted to be uh, light workers who helped people with chronic pain or, you know, they were transformational workers. And just because they believed wholeheartedly in it, usually because they had had an experience themselves which had brought them to becoming a practitioner of the work, then they, you know, they, it was in their mindset, right? They had they had drunk the Kool-Aid for whatever that particular process was that they had learned to do, whether it was Reiki or Feldenkrais or what have you, then they automatically just assumed because it was good for them, it was good for everybody else. And I'm like, no, 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 people don't understand what you're talking about, nor do they see the benefit. If you say to to a, a woman who's been through a divorce, you know, I can help you feel better, that woman in that moment doesn't believe she's ever going to feel better about that divorce. Her eyes are going to glaze over. That's not speaking to her. If you say to her, 
I know that you have recently gotten a divorce and your kids are driving you crazy with discipline. I'm going to show you a method where they will gladly go and see your spouse for visitation, but they won't come back and complain to you about what he buys for them that you can't buy. By golly, those eyes will lock onto you. Women will need that. So you have to narrow it down. You have to have this mindset of what is the problem that you are solving, not just feel better, because most people in our culture feel better is not a problem. They're not going to pay for that. Yeah. So that's, so, what, Walmart people. Is, that's what Walmart is for. seriously it's like that's especially women but that's what we do we go spend money but we don't spend money on stuff like training and all that we want to go buy the little things to make us feel better because it it is that quick fix Mm -hmm. you know that was a great point sue i think that that's really true it's really about you know jack and gene to talk about this a lot it's like speaking to your person who Mm -hmm. they are you know, yes, um, and, and so when you awesome teach people point. to drive traffic, you know as well as I know, you have to teach them to drive traffic to a particular end. They can't drive traffic to feel better. They have to drive traffic to a particular objective, to a pain point, to something that they solve, right? I mean, that's part right. of what you're saying when you say they have to be in the right mindset to be able to benefit from what you teach. Agree? I, mean, I, I totally agree with that 100%. Yeah. Well, yeah. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about that. So you help people uh, with 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 it sounds like all facets of their business from a complete redesign, a business model, redo or or fix up or uh, and probably a lot of um, very specific things like what's their what's their traffic and 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 uh, what's their attraction program <laughs> going yeah. to be? How are they going to get new clients? Uh, I'm sure you deal with efficiencies there too. One of the things that I always, um, ever since probably 2008, when the Internet started to explode with opportunities to get new traffic, was uh, what we called then Web 2.0 coming on, and now it's yeah. just social. Um, yeah. We used to only have like a couple of ways to drive traffic on the web. And I don't want to be the guy that's you know, like get off my lawn and the old fogey, but there was that. And then now... And then there was like everybody was screaming for more opportunities. Man, if I could only just not have to just go to AOL and a forum and, you know, a <laughs> bulletin board to really yeah. date myself. If I had yeah. more choices, I would really let – we all wanted more choices. Now we've got more choices than we can consume, and it's way more than just drinking out of a fire hose. Oh, how, do yeah. you, how do you talk people off the ledge when they come to you and say, I don't know whether to do Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, content marketing, inbound marketing. And I've got this and that. Do I, should I do a podcast? Should I do this? It's the exact opposite for us as consultants now, right? We've got to talk them off the ledge and go, look, let's get serious here. Let's focus. It's okay. How do you handle that problem? Yeah, I agree with you that it is drinking from like 20 fire hoses at once. <laughs> I mean, it, it really yeah. is difficult. And because there's so much information out there, People who come to me typically have heard and therefore feel like they should be doing all of them or five or six Mm -hmm. or seven of them anyway. It comes back to where is your traffic? Where are your people? And a lot of times what I find is that folks have not narrowed down really who their people are specifically and narrowly enough. You know, the riches are in the niches. And so if I have someone come to me and I say, who's your target market, and they say women, then I kind of want to tear my hair out. That's (laughs) way too broad. It's just like you can't say, who's your target target market? Uh, People who need to lose weight. Well, no, that's not a target market. I mean, that's too huge, too. You really have to find the niches and call to people specifically so that their eyes and their head jerks around when you say what you have to say, and they say, I need that. I've been looking for that. So it start, it goes back to who do you really specifically want to serve, and you're in business for yourself, so you get to pick who are the people who, you know, float your boat the most. And where, then, do you find those people? If, you're, if your market is 16-year-olds, I'm going to tell you to stay off Facebook. 
it, you know, mm-hmm. if you're, it, I mean, you have to really think about who is on what type of social media. My personal bias is that as you are ramping up, I would rather see you own one channel effectively than do five channels weekly. So let's build you up on one channel and get you a lot of visibility and reach, and then maybe in about three to six months we can add a second channel. But you have to be really good at what you're doing, and you've got to have a solid team behind you if you're going to play in a whole bunch of channels. Very few people do that effectively. Instead, what they do is they, they keep running on to the next new thing, and they leave behind the work they've done at the channel that they abandoned and they, they try to follow the trend, but they never get enough traction underneath them. They're running on slick tires. They've never built up a good t- a good base on the channel that they've left. So you can sit on social media all darn day, and you and I both know that that's true, and it can do you absolutely no good. You have to you you also have to get out from behind your computer and meet people. So it can't be done all online, especially not in today's market. But it really comes back to where is your traffic? Where is your market? Where do they hang? That's where you want to be. And don't bother with all those others because you cannot possibly master them all. You just cannot. Yeah. I totally agree. Go deep. Don't go wide. And I think I know who is responsible for some of our jumping around. And that is, and you guys need to make a a note to yourself not to uh, fall for this. Um, or to, uh, or convince yourself that this is what you need to do. There are people in the industry who we rely on for information, um, and their whole job and their business model is different than everybody else's. Their business model is to go to the next thing and the next thing and to be there first so they can describe to the people who follow them how to use it, what are the best practices. And so you'll see everybody, everybody, a lot of people jumped onto Blab thinking that because the thought leaders in the area were having blab shows and everything else, then that's what I need to do. And they could have been right in the middle of a breakthrough, or just, just short of a major breakthrough on whatever platform they were on. But they see the newsmakers, the tech writers, and all those guys going over to uh, a new service, and they drop everything, and they think, God, I only have to be on blab. Or at least they'll start stressing about it, that, I, that they're not on blab. Oh, yeah. I'm not on Periscope. And, then, and that stress kind of affects the work that you are doing. It almost effectively is like you went over there to play on it anyway. You just have to choose which – you have to be very – you know, you, you, first don't get caught up in that. That's just groupthink and know who's doing that. Those guys are always going to be the guys who go over and say, hey, everybody come over here. Because what do they do? If they're going to make a success out of it for themselves, uh, they have to have you over there as an audience. And then you're in this new place looking at this new social site, this new video syndication site or whatever it might be, and you're going, man, this probably would be really good for my business. You need to stop yourself right at that moment and go, but (laughs) what are you doing already? What kind of bandwidth do you already have? And have you gone deep enough in the one that's producing for you now? You know, presumably everybody's got something right now that it's producing for them. If you spend one minute on a new service, you're taking a minute away from the thing that's guaranteed to produce for you. And it's not to discourage anybody from going and trying new things at all, but make sure that you're really responsible about it and that you have the bandwidth for it at this moment. And if it's really good, it'll be there next month too and next month after that. If it's not, then it wasn't worth you worrying about in the first place. But I think a lot of us jump just because the guys who typically jump are over there. Like We have Virginia Parsons, and she'll always go and have you know, a presence on a new thing. And she, her business model is to go and break things and test things out on herself so she can come back to her students and say, here's what I did. I broke it this way, so don't do it this way. Do it this way. I've already done that for you, so you don't have to. But when yeah. you're doing that, it's like, oh, my God, everybody thinks they've got to go and do exactly what she's doing. You most of the time do not. <laughs> you know, let her continue to break things. Let her do her thing or whatever, whoever the thought leader is. Let them do that so they can build up a body of work and a body of results that they can prove. So you've been over there for three months now. Show me what you've got. What's, what's it? And you can compare that to your business and go, wow, if I had gone over there for three months, if I go over there now and spend three months, you know, I got the same results, that's beating the control that I have right now over on Facebook. That would be a good time to think about, in my opinion, you know, spending a little bit more time over there, but only then and only after all of that. What do you think? 
Yeah, I think you've made a, a good point in that you said don't jump from something where you've already got good traction and go into something else kind of just willy-nilly, just to be, just to be following the trends. The issue comes, in my mind, that people, there are so many small business owners who are, they really do not yet have traction, good traction, on any particular channel. And so they jump and follow the trend hoping that they'll get easy traction on the newest thing. So what I always say to people is, you know, getting the traction isn't easy. People tell you, oh, you can throw up a Facebook ad and you can add, you know, 10,000 people to your list in 10 days. Well, let me just tell you, there's very few people in the market who can do that, who can actually do that, and they have years of experience behind them. You and Mm -hmm. newbie are probably not going to hit that. It's going to take you six months of fiddling around and finding out, you know, testing different ads and all that. And people... See, people think that social media makes traffic building easy. Social media gives you fabulous opportunities, but it's not easy. You still have to have your basics down. Yeah. And people don't want to hear that. It's only potential energy. (laughs) It's not actual... Uh, anything it doesn't it, until it does it for your business, not the person who you bought the the course from, but until it does it for your business, it's only potential energy. That's all they're talking yeah. about. And you got to consider the source. You got to consider their experience. You got to consider their industry. You got to consider a lot of things, and not read a sales pitch that's that you're act, thinking they're talking about your business. They're not. They're mm-hmm. only talking about theirs and how they tested it and it worked for them this way. And it may work for you. <laughs> But, you know, it's boring copy to say that, so they don't. They mm-hmm. make it sound like it's bulletproof, and anybody who does this will succeed with it. Yeah. And uh, a point of clarification, work. yeah, it is. Everything's, everything's got a level of work to it. And, yeah. I mean, and recognize that and know that you need to leverage things. And so it goes back to getting people to help you with things, getting staff. You can't do everything. And now that you could, you know, everybody now knows you couldn't possibly do everything because you probably tried it. You probably try to just really throw you know throw everything at the buffet on your plate and just hog out you know everybody's tried that and everybody's burnt out at it hopefully because it's the best lesson you could ever learn you cannot do it all you have to use leverage and and that means hiring people and getting people to help you and getting partners and, and all kinds of stuff if you really want to grow because there isn't any easy button um, marketers tend to make it sound like that because that's what good copy is. You know, it, it all sounds easy. Anybody who's bought anything from as seen on TV has been very, very disappointed in how plastic the thing is that they get, meaning how cheap it is compared to how the commercial just made it sound like it was awesome. You know, mm-hmm. but you're going to need to buy like five salad shooters because they suck and they're going to break and they're made really with low quality materials. But the copy sounded really good, didn't it? And you thought, man, I'm going to be make, I'm going to be eating salads for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. This is great. I'm going to change my whole life. Cop, there's a difference between copy and actual results. And and people know that intrinsically. I'm not trying to insult anybody because I know everybody knows that. But we have to completely be we have to be mindful because we get caught up in those things. And so, and, and I think people who are able to be a little bit more immune to that. Um, marketing side of things are a little bit more practical. I like having clients that are a little bit more immune to it because you don't have to do so much work getting them, you know, out of the stars and out of the sky, thinking about look <laughs> all the possibilities. Because then, if they're yeah. your client, you've got you've got a heck of a thing on your hands. If they think that uh, some of those things are true, they're going to think that you can perform miracles that you can't either, and they're going to be mad at you. <laughs> for, for something that never existed in the first place was never possible in the first place. I'm sure you run into clients like that. We all have. Yeah, we all have. And, you you know, I love to help people be very strong in the vision of where they want to take their business. Why are they in it? What is it, the lot, what is it that they want to accomplish with their business? Is it a, a particular lifestyle? Do they want to be mobile? Do they want to be able to send their kids to college? Do they want to be able to support an elderly parent, what is the why of their business? Because if you keep that why strong and close, then you can start evaluating every decision you make by whether it 
help and support that long-term vision or whether it takes you away from that long-term vision. And that kind of helps curve that bright, shiny object syndrome that so many folks are in business have. You know, we are, as entrepreneurs, we are lifelong learners, most of us, and we're very curious about the world. And, you know, I'm just like everybody else. I learn to lo- I love to learn new things. So what we, we have to focus on is this something that I'm learning because it's an avocation and I need to be doing it in my off time, or is it something I'm learning because I can see that it's really going to support this overarching vision that I have for myself. I learned a really important point from uh, Michael Port years ago. I'm one of his uh, Book Yourself Solid Certified Coaches. Michael said, you know, it's okay when people start a business that they know what they're running from, what they didn't want. But it's not going to work for them until they know what they're running to, what they really want. Mm. A lot of people are running from, but they can't really tell you what they're running to. They can't flesh it out. So I use a system that I call the backwards business plan, and I really start with what do you want your life to look like? Now, let's find a business and a model that will take you to that life. Because otherwise you're going to create something and you're just going to create a job for yourself. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense when you're running away from being more poor than you want to be or you're running away from a job or you're running away from uh but you're not running to anything whatever is going to happen next is not going to thrill you it might mm-hmm. some people might get lucky and have a uh, a quick fix but it's never going to develop into a passion or very very rarely i think people will be extraordinarily lucky to have that happen that's a really yeah. good point i'm glad you brought that up so your deepest channel where 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 do you spend the most time right now where are you getting the best results as far as uh attracting new clients new attention for the things that you're doing yeah you know my best channels are uh, facebook um and uh, uh live stream i do live stream once a week on google hangout on air and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm work i'm kind of starting to see that I might need to take that over to Blab. We'll see. I'm, I'm kind of like you were saying a few minutes ago, watching it and playing with it a little bit, but not ready to yet make the jump. Um, and then still, email marketing. People want to, you know, say email marketing is dead, but I assure you that it's not. It just has to be done in a very sophisticated and very consciously planned way. So those are really my three channels. Yeah. You know, that keeps coming up. I mean, as as much as people love to say, I don't know why, you just keep hearing it, that email marketing is is not the best thing. The studies show that it still is. And yeah. people like you, our guests come on constantly, and they always bring up email. They always yeah. do. You never leave it out. And <laughs> so I don't know where that comes from. I mean, uh, you know, when Google uh, was really going, Google Plus, and uh, tech writers who only had like one person in their circles and never posted to Google Plus once were writing articles about how Google Plus was dead. Uh, it's all in the eye of the beholder, the user, because there were people yeah. on Google Plus in big numbers still that love it. And I think because they love it, they've made it a place. You have to turn something. It's only a tool, so you have to use it and turn it into something for yourself. You can't just get on it, get an account, and expect it to do something, <laughs> which is yeah. what I think millions of people did. They got on it, and they just expected it to, I don't know what, because they work hard at it on Facebook. Everybody curates and, and cleans out their streams and does a lot of technical work. For an average person, you know, <laughs> it's a, it's an awful lot of technical work, work on their privacy settings. They work on engagement. They work on cleaning out the negative people. They they do all that stuff, and then they came over to another tool and just didn't want to do any of it. And then they want to call the tool a bad name. And you can yeah. you can get into that, I think, with their business. You can go, well, I don't want to be there because this stuff happens on it. You have to remember that you control on all of these systems an awful lot of what your experience is. And it's not the fault of the uh, service itself, necessarily. I mean, the services make bad moves, and there's adjustments that need to be made, and there are things that are definitely their fault. But it's usually more on a, uh, usually it's privacy or something like that. It's not really anything that's going to affect your business in one way or another. And, uh, you know, the responsibility is on us as the users of any of these tools, whatever the tools might be, the, uh, to, to, you know, use them the way they were designed. Another thing I think a lot of people do is they'll get on a new service and they'll start to immediately 
just as a knee-jerk reaction, there's no need to even cheat on Blab. You can get on there and get a whole bunch of attention right now. I've watched people get on there, and they just now learned how to use it. This is their first time using it, and they're getting, you know, they send out a tweet because it invites you to do that, and uh, yeah. and then you know they they put out an email or something. They say, and you can get a lot of attention there right now. Yet a lot of people are like, well, there's got to be a way to cheat the system. You don't even need to cheat it. It's like working right now. <laughs> it's, it's it's doing exactly. So I always encourage people to do what the thing was created for and really get to know it for what it was created for first. And then don't worry about any of the other stuff that you might be able to do to tweak it because you don't even know what to tweak yet. I think a lot yeah. of people get into that mindset. It's, like it, it's, it's wide open. Usually when a service comes out, it's already wide open, and they will start to restrict things later as they see things need to be adjusted. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. I agree. You have to... Um, you have to really understand that everything, every channel, every marketing channel is just a tool. And you have to put your own personality into it and you have to learn the rules of that tool and how they best work for you. And whether it is going to work for you or whether it's something that you don't really need to be spending your time with. I do I do like to, I mean, I want to make sure that people are putting their effort in the right place because you don't want to put a lot of effort where your target market is not. And I also think that some people, you know, we all have our own styles. I'm a strong writer and a strong talker. I like doing the video. Uh, once I got past the point, the deal of, okay, I'm just going to go on, it doesn't matter about hair, makeup, and all that stuff because people really want the more real you, then I was fine with that. Some people are not strong writers and they're strong visual people. So you have to kind of match it to where your skills are, but you also have, or what you're willing to do, but you also have to match it to um, where your people are, and that's the most important thing. Yeah. Right. If you went over to Blab and you know deep down, if you're being honest, you really, really hate being on camera, then you have to be honest with yourself even more and say, this is probably not a good move for me, nor will it ever be. Unless, I mean, some people could go take a training from a coach and become comfortable with and, and, and eventually do love video and love being on camera. That's a choice you would have to make if it's that important to you that you don't, you know, the next thing that comes after Blab that's a video conferencing thing, if you're going to continue to beat yourself up that you wish you were better on video, then maybe you need a coach that will help you out with your, your reservations about that. But for a lot of people, too, the, the decision might be, hey, Many more people do podcasts than anything else. Audio podcasts, not video podcasts. That's the vast majority of the recorded stuff that's not written material on the web. And it's still a very strong puller. I mean, the stats on iTunes don't lie. There's a lot of people. Now they're building cars with the ability to just tune into the Internet and then any podcast that you want to download. And you can't watch video in a car. It's kind of illegal, and it's a really stupid move, too. So, yeah. uh, you know, audio is not going anywhere. It's not like video is going to replace it ever because there are things that we do where we have to just listen and pay attention to the road, for instance. And people have a lot of road hours. If you think about people who are living in L.A. and all the traffic jams, the 405, <laughs> that has done wonders for podcasting. That road alone in this whole network of <laughs> roads in this country that road alone has a lot to do with the success of podcasting. So it, you're right. There are, there are other alternatives out there for you. If you feel really bad about something, if you keep feeling bad, then you know make it justify itself to you to the point where you might want to go get some training on it. Uh, but be hard on that because you might not need it at all. You could just go start a pod, an audio podcast. You could go to SoundCloud or all kinds of places. Blog Talk Radio is a great place. We're on right now. Yeah. So hey, I got I'll, a quick question. Okay. Now go ahead. Mike, I wanted to hear your uh, voice. Mike, I was. Yeah, I, I just jumped in. So my question is, because <laughs> both of you are talking about going where your audience is and choosing the things that you know basically enhance your natural strengths. But I want to know, um, really, from both of you, is I don't think a lot of people actually know where their audience is. So how do you start to find that out? Good question. Good question. Yeah. And the oh, answer the guests is research. always have to answer it. You're, yeah. <laughs> you have to do research. You have to really, 
you have to play around. You have to hang out. You have to be like uh, you have to really, you have to really, you, you can't really guess at it. I can't tell you the number of people I have had who have a market that is a teenage market and they thought because everybody hears that Facebook advertising is so um, wonderful and easy, they thought that they could really build their business totally off Facebook. And, you know, most teenagers are off of Facebook now and they're on to other places. So you really have to do your demographic research. You have to find out where those people are. And sometimes you have to lurk. You might have to lurk in LinkedIn forums and see if the kind of people who are your ideal clients are lurking there. You might have to lurk on some forums and Facebook. So it really takes a while. You have to you have to really go and hang out and also do demographic research and see where those people are. Also, people forget the power of talking in person. I really teach my people to do surveys, and sometimes that means getting on the phone and calling five of their friends who would really be their ideal client and asking their friends, where do you spend their, your time? Are you on Facebook? If you are, in what kind of forum? Are you a podcast listener? Do you do you do your searches on YouTube? You know, talk to people and find out where they're hanging if they are like what your ideal client is. You can learn a lot from talking to people, and you can't. I don't believe you can do it all online behind your computer. You have to get out and start talking. Plus, that helps you get better about explaining what it is that you're offering. So it hones that skill of finding out what people are responding to and getting you used to talking about what you do. It amazes me sometimes the folks that I meet who have been in business six or seven years and they cannot talk about what they do. They can't sum it up in a couple of sentences. Yeah. I would also say that... um, I know you wanted his answer too, so I'll hush and let him give it a go, but it does require... (laughs) Well, mine is... Yeah, mine can be really quick. Follow somebody around who's already got your market, is already in your business, who you could think of as a competitor, but I would tell you that it was a big mistake to do so. Make a friends with them and say, you know, find out. Just go to their website and you can tell where they're hanging out. Go yeah. to their website, go to each one of their social profiles and find out which one they've posted to the most this week. That's one big clue about where they might be getting out. They're posting a bunch of personal stuff and it's never about business. Um, you still can't say definitively that that's not a good place for them because you don't know what kind of ads they're running. So, you, you, it's, so don't let that go, oh, well, they're, they're all on Facebook, but it's all just – and they might just be doing the personal style thing. Um, Jason Moffat is really good at that. Uh, uh, Joel Com and some other people uh, are, are really good at that, and, uh, and it doesn't look like they're selling at all. So you have to – Make sure you understand whether they're actually using all of the personal. I just flew into this to do a talk or whatever. Um, that's actually selling. That might be a, a big channel for them. But you can tell if you go to Joel Com's site where he's spending time, and it's not Google Plus. He just phones it in. It's very easy to tell that he phones it in on Google Plus, and that's not where he's getting uh, leads for speaking gigs and things like that. And uh, you can you can tell very easily that he's doing it on Facebook, and he has a Twitter account, and he uses that a lot too. But, I mean, I would say it's a toss-up at any given point. And actually right now you can tell very clearly on his page if if he has the same market that you have, if he's going after the same kind of people you are, just landing on his site is going to give you a ton of intel right away. And then I agree uh, about meeting people in person. You know, go to a conference in your industry and then uh, meet the people who are in your particular uh, niche in your industry and uh, exchange information. Go do the intel gathering on their site, but you've got them there to talk to. What's your favorite source of traffic right now? Just ask them that question like I do at the top of every single show. What's your, what, do you, what gets you out of bed in the morning is either it's going to get to that answer at one point or another. It's pretty easy to do. Think in terms of leverage so you don't have to do a bunch of manual. This is not supposed to be a big research job like sitting in a library used to be, you know, sitting there and just grinding over uh, all this material. There are easy ways to figure out where people are spending their time. And smart people who are successful don't waste time. Uh, They wouldn't be successful if they did. So if they're spending a significant amount of time, obviously, on one channel or another, that's something for you to investigate to find out if that's where your people are too. 
Yeah, I, I'm chuckling as you're talking about Joel. Uh, I know Joel, and I, you know, back in time, about three or four months ago, I guess it was now, he did this test about Google Plus versus Facebook, and you know, for him and the, the style of of the way he is and his style of doing things, um, Facebook is is lucrative, and Google Plus he wrote was just a wash. It was just crickets over there for him. He was trying to. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of get into that argument of, of is G plus dead or not dead. So and then recently he took a break. You, you might have seen one of his later latest blog posts. Oh yeah. He took a couple. He took some weeks off and didn't really get on social media at all. I think sometimes we all need to do that every now and then. But it is true. You can look at people who are offering similar to what you offer and see where they're spending their time and their money, and that will also that's a part of your research for sure. Does that answer your question? I just wanted to circle back and make sure that that was um, that you were hearing the kinds of things that you thought would be helpful. Yes, actually, because I think you know most people they want to do a good job. They just don't know what a good job looks like. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And you how know, long do you all do you all usually give it when you're doing the research and checking it out? Yeah. I tell people who I work with all the time, what you do right now today, you're going to reap the benefits in three to six months. Don't be thinking you're going to reap the benefits any sooner. You might, and if you do, it's a pleasant surprise, but three to six months is the build. So, And I tell people that. I'm like, when November and December come along and you've decided you want to lay back because you're busy with all kind of family stuff, don't be bitching to me in March and April when you got no money coming before <laughs> because you set that up in November and December. And I, I do that. I hear that all the time. Oh, I want the summer off. Well, you better have a really strong business, honey, if you're going to take all summer off. Because what yeah. you do now affects downstream. What you and I are doing right now today, we're going to reap the benefits three to six months. It's not instantaneous. A person is going to approach you online seven to 12 times before they're going to buy from you. It's not instantaneous. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. And then I have to question anybody that wants to take a whole summer off. Uh, it sounds like you're doing more work than you are passion. And there is a way yeah. to have a business that, you know, it's not a question. We all do. We we look at the Europeans and especially Australians, and it just used to always kill me that they could come over to the States and be here for a freaking month. And <laughs> I'm like, do you guys – are you getting paid? I mean, how in the world can you do this? Is everybody in Australia rich? They're like, no, this is how much vacation we get. And, yeah, we get paid vacations, and we get it for this long. <laughs> and so I think a lot of us learn that, uh, you know, you're supposed to be able to get a bunch of time off. But, that, but what you have to remember is that we all had jobs then that we hated, or, or just maybe we didn't hate them, but we didn't want to do them all the time because they were just jobs we needed to pay bills. And that's a really bad way to treat the opportunity that is the Internet nowadays. <laughs> Because the Internet yeah. is offering us the opportunity, a whole paradigm shift in this, in this area of work and play, in that we could choose. It's really our choice. It's like going to a, a social network and saying, it doesn't work for me, and then finding out, well, you didn't do anything on it. The Internet is the same way. You have the opportunity to do something you love. And people are doing work. The people that we work with, a lot of them are doing work they couldn't stand to be away from for a whole summer. They just couldn't because they're also mixing it up with their passions and they're helping the world with the stuff that they do. And so it's really hard. It's not a black and white situation anymore. You know, you're not either on vacation or at work in that kind of situation, but you also don't call a lot of the things that you do work anymore either. So (laughs) it's actually a really good thing. I'd challenge everybody to open your minds a little bit more about, you know, what is work and what is play um, because they can be both. They can be very well tied together. Richard Branson is always working, except you always see him in a picture where he's smiling like the Cheshire Cat, in, uh, <laughs> you know, because he loves what he does. I mean, he doesn't have an office job, obviously, and he's only got to be the spokesperson of his giant uh, interests and everything. But he's always working. He would never stop being interested in that. He's obviously not going to retire in any traditional sense. Well, I hate or, or to interrupt, Jack. I hate to interrupt. No, I can't be the last word. That was 60 seconds okay. left. Okay, well, just so you got the last word. Where can everybody? Yeah. yeah, I want to invite people if they want to know more about the way I work with people to just go to my website, confidentmarketer.com, 
you can leave your name and your email address, and I will send you a little worksheet about how to build your business without frustration or overwhelm. I also have a couple of uh, digital products that might be helpful for tr- people who want to know more about driving traffic. One is how to create a step-by-step marketing campaign, and one is how to create an irresistible free offer. And there are other things on the site. But confidentmarketer.com is where I'll point you. And I just want to thank you both for uh, having me here today. I so appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. I love having conversations like this. I could talk all day with you guys, and thank you so much. Well, thanks so thank much you. for joining us. Sure. And anytime. we will be back same time, same place next week for another episode of Traffic Masters. Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye. Join Bye. us Tuesday at noon Eastern for the next episode of Traffic Masters. From traffic to conversion to business success.